I really have to be anchored in my reality and my just to be myself, not to be impressed by whoever is what, because I'm just me and um, cannot do anything else. Welcome to Insert Human. This is a show that is not for everyone. It's for seekers, people like you, hopefully, who are searching for solutions to your problems, the world's problems, and everything in between. The conversations to come are going to show you how finding the truth of our humanity is the magic key to solving pretty much anything. Between my monologues, my dialogues with brilliant guests, and your good questions, you're going to learn how to insert human into everything, and in doing so, realize a better life and one day a better world. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good day to all the listeners around the world. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Insert Human. And another uh, very, I'm very excited. I actually have a little goosebump going on right now uh, because of our guest today. She is a woman by the name of Beatrice Caron. And she is, um, I, I think, Richard, you say you are an, functionally an illustrator, artist. I would add to that um, explorer that in reading your biography and looking at your body of work, uh, this is a human being that is intent on on being human and on understanding what it means to be human and on understanding how to potentially tell stories about being human. And the story of Beatrice, and I'd love to start with your story of how how you went out into the world as a young adult and ultimately how you arrived at, at what you are today, which is an incredibly accomplished artist. So can you just give us a version of that? Yeah, I can try to give a version. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me. I would say that to define my art, I'm more a visual storyteller. I like stories, so that's how it starts. Because from the beginning, uh, I always liked stories. Of course, I didn't know really what I wanted to do. And I like to draw. I went a little excursion in uh, a school of Beaux-Arts in France. And it was too formal. I couldn't deal with it. So then after I learned some uh, Chinese, because I like the ideogram and this Chinese civilization. And then after that, I um, decided I didn't want to study anymore. I, I couldn't see the point of being into a frame of having a job and staying in one place. <laughs> so I just, uh, I was a rebel, so I just left. What, what, what age was this approximately? About 18. Okay. Um, so I worked as a um, cleaning lady. I worked in factories. I was a shepherdess. Wow. Um, I've been a truck driver. So all kind of little <laughs> jobs. And when you have enough money, you stop and you do something else. <laughs> so I was drifting and um, still... Um, drawings mm -hmm. from when I couldn't express myself another way. I was always getting back to the drawing, to the lines. And uh, that's how I uh, kind of drifted into tourism and lived in Egypt, uh, in Mexico and in China. So Egypt for one year, Mexico for one year and China for two years. So still starting with tourism and then after doing other jobs. And uh, then um, I came to um, New York 
And at that point, I did also little job. I was uh, courier uh, for bringing letters to offices by foot, by bike. And um, I worked at the French bookstore. And tourism I became a New York tour guide. Hmm. And then everything. And I was taking people also in China. So French people to China and American people to China. And uh, everything got a little repetitive after a while. And I was like, hmm, it's not a repetition. I really have to do something about my life because I'm beginning to get bored. And so that's when I thought, like, really have to get back into working for myself, for things that makes me grow, not uh, working for other people. And to forget about this, making a living with doing this and that for other people. So that's when I decided I would become an artist. And um, of course, at, at first, my idea was to do a little illustration that would be like a gig, like when you are a tour guide. But it's not, comp it's not at all like that. So um, I couldn't really find enough place to make a living. So that's when I started to get uh, super serious about uh, putting my work everywhere, everywhere I could. And I made series of things. And I, uh, yeah, I just went uh, head on 200 percent. And I was around 40 years old. And I spoke about that on my TED talk. So, yeah, yeah that was my... Uh, my start into art was a late, late start. So I have to ask a couple quick questions there. Was that a, a binary decision? By that, I mean, one day you decided to stop doing the tourist tourism thing and start becoming a full-time artist. Like, was it that like a, was it a flicking of a switch or was it, and I and I ask the question because I, I get a lot of people reaching out to me who want to make a switch, who have been in a role or a career that they're finding boring, they're finding, you know, not not uh, enabling their growth. Uh, they want to go in a different direction. But I think that that flicking of the switch is is so hard. So had, was it was it was it a a pretty abrupt change for you? Um, I mean, economically, I still needed to do some tour guiding and to do other jobs in between. Right. But uh, the decision was um, was a very reasonable decision, you know, because when you begin not to be happy uh, with what you're doing, you feel it's too repetitive and um, and it's a service profession. Mm -hmm. So, and you're freelance. I mean, nobody wants a cranky tour guide. <laughs> <laughs> nobody. <laughs> so you want to go and then you're getting older. So you want to get the things getting worse and worse until you have to quit or you want to be a little ahead of the curve and uh, really put all your energy into a bifurcation of your life. <laughs> So that's but, how yeah. it works, you know, it's a bifurcation where you begin to put all your energy and all your thinking about the next move that will get you into that direction. Right. And of course, the direction changed because you hit reality and uh, 
it's not exactly what you plan at the beginning, but that's okay because it's still creativity. Right. So instead of really, um, I began to show my work, but could be like, you know, Barnes and Nobles or library or local cafe or whatever. And, um, and bringing my portfolio to different uh, publications and magazines and everything and see what people had to do. So I got some, uh, I did some playbill and uh, stage bill covers. So I had some encouragement, mm -hmm. but not really enough to make a living. So I was always looking where my, what I was doing could be applied. So if I was seeing there were an exhibition for printed, uh, for prints, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to do prints. So I just mm -hmm. jump in and uh, make prints and get in that show. Mm -hmm. If I see something, it's about uh, summer or, or peas or whatever subject, then I make a series about it and I submit my work. And that's how I started public art. Uh, public art, it was free to apply because I did everything if it was free. If I had to pay, um, I didn't go. Uh, and I still don't. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting to start very late because I still know nothing about art. But um, because you did, I did a lot, a lot of works before and a lot of things where people don't even consider you as a person because you're in a factory, you're a waitress, you're cleaning the floor. So they, they really, you even don't look human to them. Mm. And it's a great place to observe. You really can see what's happening around because there is no filter. Right. And uh, when you do something else, so you don't know the words, but you know the music, you know, and you can recognize bullshit miles away. <laughs> <laughs> So when people want you to pay to uh, promote you to this, to that, I mean, they are doing the job that promote themselves, but it's not about you. <laughs> so so it really helps. It really helps because you're just, okay, it's what you like to do. You're doing it. You try to be really aligned with, uh, with what you are and what you are doing. And then after you you have some positive reactions and negative reactions some people say you should do this you should do that and and you have a lot of rejection i got eight eight years or nine years of rejection uh, applying for public art before i got my first one so wow. most of, most of the time it's rejection but it's okay because it's like going to the gym you know you get uh, your image ready, what it is about you, what, uh, what is the story, what you like to do, and you keep on, it's like a, a sailboat. You keep the cap and you keep on. Right, <laughs> and right, right. And even if nothing happened outside, at least you're, you're happy with yourself and you always find a way to, to survive did, somehow. <laughs> did, did you, did this experience surprise you in terms of the your inner strength and or, or even as a young a young child did you have that 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 capacity to persevere a lot of people would have just curled up in a ball once well you know. um i don't have much to get to fall upon you know i don't have a diploma i don't have a skill 
I don't have, so it's, it's like, I just have to make my own path because I don't have anything to fall onto. <laughs> well, for the audience, like, what, let me just say one thing, one thing quickly for the audience. One of the things I forgot to mention in, in the very short bio of Beatrice is the fact that she has work in the Metropolitan Museum of Art, the Walker Art Center and the Getty. So this is somebody <laughs> that at the age of 40 had not, really done much in the way of art. I mean, she'd been an artist, but not a f formal artist or a professional artist. No quote unquote diploma. And she is, you know, globally recognized. So <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a funny way because uh, you go to the museum and, uh, and you have curators that are always looking for work and you follow the rules of how to show the work. And uh, for me, it's more difficult to see galleries because it's the commercial work wo world and uh, people don't have much time and they want to make money right away and this right. and that. So uh, for me, it's really difficult to reach anybody. And I don't try. I mean, I tried for a while and it was so frustrating. But uh, the, the um, curators, the museums, the... Um, the libraries, that's a place I love because it's people who have a mission and uh, they have a collection to right. take care. And they have, uh, it's not about their own taste. It's about, you know, the, the mission of the, the institution. And it's really great because you, they put rules out. If you have to drop a portfolio, if you have to write and send the letters, it's not about how you look or what you say. And you just show your work. So I find it much, much easier than uh, than uh, making things and, uh, you know, being uh, hip and this and that and uh, who you know. And so it's not the high road. <laughs> right, right. It's funny, you it's, know, we... Yeah. Uh, yeah, because there is a lot of ways. I mean, um, it's there is a million of ways to be an artist. You know, just doing what you like to do and uh, find where it can be useful. Mm -hmm. So there is uh, everywhere you need uh, images. And I'm doing visual storytelling. So I'm telling the stories of uh, companies, of people, of cities. Right. And I put it in paper, in metal, in glass. So you can see uh, most of my work on my website which is uh, justmyname.com. And, um, and that's another part of the work, in fact, to, to document the work, to have the photograph, to usually after I do the work, it's a statement. It's like, I mean, if it's public art, you have to give a statement even before you make the work to have a concept. But um, yeah, so it's a whole process that, um, takes a long time because you have to do your website and uh, to put some image on Instagram and Facebook and also social media. And uh, it's, yeah, it's, uh, I'm by myself. I don't have assistant and I'm doing workshops too. So it's like if you do a workshop and you're in some part of the country or in another country or like which collection um, I like and where my work could fit. So I, you know, contact the curator or or anything that I think, oh, that would be a good idea to be there. And I'm not shy because I'm not afraid of uh, rejection. 
I don't mm-hmm. take it personally. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it, it, I don't know why. Most of the time I have rejection, no problem. And sometimes I rejection and I have such a hard time. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So even so, after eight years of building the rejection muscle, you still have a, you can have moments where there's a vulnerability still. Is that, is that fair to say? Oh yeah. 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 Depends on the project or why I was rejected or how, you know, because sometimes I'm like, ah, oh, it's such a good fit for, you know, this project or that city or my idea is so cool. And <laughs> that's when you begin to be in into trouble when you think you're cool or you have a good idea. <laughs> oh, I totally agree with that. Yeah. E- ego, ego is the cause of all suffering, is in, is is absolutely yeah. is absolutely absolutely. True. When you get like in love too much with your idea, you're too attached to it, that's when you crash because <laughs> like it's rejected and you don't get it. <laughs> so so look, I want to go back to the to the beginning of the journey. You're in your 40s, you you commit to being an artist and you relentlessly you, you said or something earlier you 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 give it you gave it 200% if you were advising somebody else that wanted to go down a similar path call it mid career are there other things that you it's you would recommend doing i mean one of the things that sounded like you did is you you monitored what was going on in the art scene and responded to it with work that was specific to the theme or the topic or the area I don't want to put those words in your mouth, but but are there other bits of advice? Yeah, I mean, um, the the most important is to produce the work. So I was uh, making a lot, a lot of work. So I did um, uh, the 36 views of the Empire State Building. So uh, I made maybe 50 or 60 views to make the 36. So I worked with series. When I had uh, any idea or any format, I made 10, 20, 40 of them. So I kept constantly um, working on my graphic translation of whatever ideas I had in my head Hmm. to um, just produce and not try to have a style or anything, just to let it flow and to see how it worked. And the... um, Looking for where I could put it was a part of it, but most of the energy is producing the work because I don't believe in uh, in talent or or skill or you know shadow. I think that if you make 40, 50 of an image or an idea, then it just gets a little better. And then you can see after, you can look at it back and see what was better, what was wrong, and make another series. So you can build your own language. You can build your own style hmm. and not to listen what is uh, what is in or out, you know, because I'm doing most of what I'm doing is black and white. Right. So a lot of time people say, you should do colors and all that, but I really like um, the the energy flow of lines. I'm really into the line, the movement, and uh, the balance of full and empty shapes. So um, that would be cool if uh, at one point I could, I did things with color, but that would be cool if at one point I do more colors, but I feel I'm just starting, you know, with the the lines, the movement, I I improved, Uh, but there is still a lot of things that I have to let, because it's kind of, finding a medium where you let flow what you already have into, you know, because it's like everything is inside me. 
it's not something uh, I'm creating from nothing. So right. all those energies, those lines of stories, it's all things I stored for of what I am because of where I'm born, what I did and where I am now. And I just have to let it flow from in to out <laughs> and uh, get the energy from out to in. So mm-hmm. it's just to find your balance. And um, so for that to be to be listening to yourself, that takes a long time. And can, uh, I, can I just can I just just layer on to that? I think that's so profound an articulation of what it means to be human. To, to let it flow in from out while you take energy out to in. And would you agree with me that that applies to all of us, whether we are quote unquote artists or not, that, yeah. that, that we have capacity within and we can tap energy without to unleash that capacity is that i don't want to put words in your mouth but yeah yeah yeah. no but it's true because everybody i mean artists everybody's artists you know it's like creativity is everywhere and um and everybody is unique you know i'm unique like everybody else (laughs) we are all the same because we are all unique and uh and the thing is um uh, it's it just um, express yourself completely of what makes you unique and how you can be a gear into a whole machine that is society and communities and all that because everybody has their own flavor and their own style but you have to find your style you know just not copy anybody else because you cannot be as good as what they are and um just to be yourself and yeah so you 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 just have and yeah it's it's um it's a funny part because when you're very young um there is the the schools or the things everybody try to format you into one box Mm -hmm. Uh, so you fit in something uh, and sometimes you are in a box when you start. I was never really in a box, so I, I was just outside trying to fit in anything. <laughs> <laughs> but as I didn't fit, then I had to make my own pass. <laughs> right, right. I could but, argue that the box, you know, the box fitting happens throughout life. That I think there's pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is pressure to stay in one box, and uh, I do workshops for uh, paper cutting. And uh, but it's more about creativity because there is no skill required, and everybody know how to cut. They cut everybody cut letters and papers and bread and you know and carrots. So everybody know how to cut. <laughs> but it's the way you cut and how you see what you're doing and balance everything. Mm-hmm. You know, everything is a balance between. Uh, when you cut, it's uh, from the material to the tool to the energy you put in the movement, the action of cutting. And um, when you're doing anything, it's how you place yourself in a movement for, Mm. because it's always social, it's depending on the other people around. So yeah, so it's- uh, So for the audience- To find. (laughs) For the audience, one thing you must do at the conclusion of this is is go to BeatriceCoron.com, you will see her portfolio of work, much of it involves, uh, I think we refer to as cut stories, but the uh, this cutting, silhouetting, um, 
that's just incredibly profound in its beauty, but also in sort of what it what it says. The medium itself says something to me, and it may say something to you as well. And then the other thing you need to do is is to listen, watch her TED talk, where she comes out on stage. That 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 cape that you wore. Oh, is just magnificent. I mean, true. Where is that? Do you still own that, or is that in one of the yeah. galleries? Yeah, it's rolled in uh, in the, my studio. Okay. And, uh, in fact, when I was asked, it's a funny story that Ted, because uh, I always say yes to everything. So I was asked to do a lecture um, at Alliance Française, and I say yes, and uh, I made the lecture. And after there were not many people, maybe fifteen people, twenty people. And after the lectures, uh, somebody came to me and she said, oh, I really like your talk. Uh, would you like to, to talk to Ted? I said, sure. She said, do you know what Ted is? I said, no. <laughs> and she gave me her card. Oh, my God. Was she, was she part of the Ted organization? or? Yeah, she was. Uh, she's uh, one of uh, the, I don't know what it's called, a leader or. Uh, so that's, I mean. That's a perfect example of I, I I'm with you. That's my philosophy is I always say sure when yeah, somebody asks sure. me something. Like why would you ever say no? Just say sure, yeah. and you so say sure to sure. one thing, and it leads to something pretty significant, right? Like yeah. So then after I went to the website and I saw and uh, I looked at the beginning of a talk of. Uh, of uh, a great um, designer um, and he was kind of impressed and this and that. I said, oh yeah, yeah, I cannot look at anybody's talk because <laughs> it's my talk. So then after the second thing I thought, it's what, what I'm going to wear. And I'm like, are you kidding? You're going to do a TED talk and you're <laughs> the first question, what I'm going to wear? And I say, yeah. You know, you have to listen to yourself. And it's like, yeah, what I'm going to wear, because I'm always talking to myself with like a lot of discussions. But uh, it's it's uh, the the costume. It's how, it's like your interface with the world. Mm -hmm. You know, it's mm -hmm. um, it's what you project your identity and it's a protection. It's like an armor. Mm -hmm. And when it gets something important, it's a ceremonial kind of cloth mm -hmm. that mm -hmm make and it's a magic a clock where mm -hmm. you can hide and you can show at the same time like the paper cutting i make holes in material but it's to show so i i was really thinking about that and i say i, I really have to be anchoring my reality and my not to be uh just to be myself not to be impressed by whoever is what because i'm just me and um cannot do anything else and that's when I say, okay, I have to make, I have to arrive on stage with my work. And that's when I thought about the cape. And I spent a lot, a lot of time to cut that cape because there is I no repetition. Imagine. And it was like a meditation, magic thinking uh, to prepare. I'm sure. To think about what's really about my work uh, that's interesting and that I want to keep on. And what do I want to grow? And what did I do in my work in different areas? So that's when I thought it when I was cutting my cape. So my cape became my armor and uh, my uh, my way to arrive on stage and not to be afraid to be 
physically me. Yeah, no, you know, makes the way sense. you're dressed and uh, the face you have and all that, because you you're like a cartoon. You're you're arriving <laughs> with your clothes and everybody smiles and look at that and uh, it makes everything easy. <laughs> because it's not about you it's about the work that came out you yeah. know so i love that, i love that, that. and, and i love that and i will say watching the ted talk that cape or cloak accomplished exactly what you just said you know it it it, 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 it was you it was it enveloped you it was it was magical it was powerful um, I mean, it's really, a, I mean, the, when you walk out on stage, it really is a, a some, it is something. And uh, <laughs> so I'd love to, I'd love to dig in a little bit to how you, how you got into the, the cutting me medium, like what it was. Um, and, and then the second part is what you were just talking about, which is sort of how you, how you manifest your life, your views, um, we talked earlier about the idea of fantasy, like how it, how it, and that may be virtually impossible to explain to the audience, but how your thoughts and your observations and your feelings sort of take form, like how you, how you approach the creation of that cloak as one example, or one of the books that you showed me last time we talked. It's, what, um, it's finding the concept. It's finding the idea that can guide you through. And uh, for that, uh, so they are the one that I, uh, from the Cape, after I began to make more, um, I do a lot of artist books. And artist books, it's all about the concept. Um, it's all about the idea, what you start. Uh, and so for the technique, I'm doing paper cutting and that because it's cheap. You can just cut any paper. So that's why I started with paper cutting <laughs> and it's a fast technique. So I just started that. And, um, and after I realized from paper cutting, I can print with it. I can do sculptures with it because paper, you can fold, you can round it, you can make it flat. And because there is holes, I can use the paper cut as a structure to make fences or as a surface to have things on it. And so the more I stayed with the technique, the more I found um, different ways. And now I'm teaching uh, wearable paper cuts and uh, paper cuts for artist book and paper cuts for you know, decor to make botanical walls. So it, it, it goes in a lot of aspects because it's, you just stick with one thing. Because when I started, I was like, oh, I, you know, basically you need to learn a technique to forget and to get back to it. It mm -hmm. was too late. I was too old. So I just got with something that was simple and I stick with it. Hmm. And then from that, everything is connected to everything in the world. There is not a little box that's like paper cut and, uh, you know, pencil. There is no paper cutting police. I can do anything <laughs> I want. <laughs> so that got me into freedom by uh, restricting me to one thing, oh, you know. Yeah, that's res that was my key because uh, you 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 make a container and then you can break it after and bend the rules, but you have something to start. So that was a thing for technique, and for the idea, that's something else. So I have things I'm doing by myself. So after the Cape, I did artist book of uh, quote couture, and I worked more on the idea of the armor, of the fashion 
warriors for women, the costume they use uh, through the age. I went to the sociology of fashion and all that. So I got interested in all kinds of things. Uh, and then after I have also um, the other things I'm doing, it's commission. So I'm doing things sometimes I know nothing about, hmm. you know, for um, uh, horses or anything, any subject that I'm like, okay. So the when it's a commission, there is a, a time. <laughs> there is the clock <laughs> going because you need an idea, but fast. So I have a system and uh, creativity can be worked as a muscle. Hmm. So um, my work, I always say it's the idea. Then after it's how I'm going to represent it. And after the cutting. So it's three parts. The first part is the one that takes the longest is the idea. So I'm researching, researching, researching. And I listen to a lot of podcasts. I love philosophy. I love social uh, studies. Um, I'm very eclectic. I love a lot of things. And I have mm -hmm. a lot of dictionaries about words, about expression in different languages. And I think it's fascinating. So I have a lot, a lot of point of interest. But anyway, whatever is the subject, I begin to look in the dictionary try to find the expression in one language and one other to see what it really means. Um, and I begin to research, research, write about the symbols, write about the representation, the mythology, um, any kind of stories around. Or if it's a city, you know, the history and everything. And then I brew. So the brewing is... Um, it happens when I'm running, when I'm sleeping or under the shower, because usually it's when you relax. So it's, it's, you put things, things, things in your head. Mm -hmm. And when you have time where you relax, go running, then the one idea will fuse with another idea. Mm -hmm. And that will, you know, like mm -hmm. Archimedes with his bath and uh, Newton with the apple, you know, it's whatever you had in your head that will click. Right, no, I, mean, right, I can right. have all kinds of apples falling on me. I will never find anything about, <laughs> <laughs> about uh, mathematics. But um, that's how the ideas come. And once I have an idea, then it's to work it uh, visually, how it can be translated so it's the most effective and there is the most lines where there is the energy. And the story fuse, fuse with other stories. So... The, it gets deeper and richer because you, when I do the cutting, I add other symbols. So there are the things you see and the things I put you don't see and maybe after you will see them. So it's a whole layer of uh, stories, but definitely the concept, it's what takes the longest, yeah. but you begin to build your own world um, of metaphors or images um, that come back from one work to another. So the more you're working on your inner world, the larger it gets. Right, right. You know, gets, uh, because it's like in a dream, when you direct your dreams and you go back in a dream, you can always open a door that you say, oh, I didn't notice there were a door. Let's see what's behind that door, mm -hmm. you know? I love uh, that. Yeah. I, I, I have to... Uh, 
ask a, a mechanistic question and then I want to comment on something, a couple of things you said. The mechanistic question is in the paper cutting work that you do, do you, once the concept is, is baked or gelled, do you sketch or do you go literally right into cutting? Is, is cutting sketching? Like, how do you, you know? Yeah, I sketch. I sketch because um, bef before I did cutting directly, but then uh, I'm more in the storytelling when I'm cutting and I don't think about the structure, how it's going to hold together. So now I prefer to sketch. And after when I cut, I don't always cut on the lines or this, but at least I have uh, the map the ma yeah, of how it's getting uh, to hold, especially if it's uh, for fences or gates, you know, yeah. I need uh, the structure. Yeah, and yeah. I, I mean, I really like paper cutting because it's uh, it's a design in space. You know, it can even be shown for uh, blind people because they can touch and see can the drawing. Sure. Yeah, yeah. The, the, so the comment I wanted to make, just to reiterate two things that you said, because I, I, I get people again asking me really difficult questions. One being, how can I be creative? And my answer is similar to yours uh, in the sense that I really believe that you need to take in lots and lots of different information, lots and lots of different experiences, that having diverse interests uh, curiosity about many aspects of the world is helpful because it becomes f nutrition for your own creativity. You know, it's, I, I yeah. don't think you can be creative without raw material. And so you need to be aggressive about obtaining raw material. And then the second thing you said, which I so relate to, is to give yourself time to process the raw material. So mine, you mentioned running. I used to be an avid runner and I had a, a sports injury, so I no longer run, but I swim all the time. And in swimming, that's where I come up with my ideas. You yeah. Know? I'm just yeah. Like, yeah, and I, I dream a lot and I remember a lot of my dreams and that helps a lot. But um, creativity, um, well, take one of my paper cutting class. You will, <laughs> you will find out about creativity. Well, well, for the audience, is is the yeah? Can, that, can they do that on their on your website, or how do they? Sure. Start? Yeah, on my website, I have different Zoom class for now, and uh, I will have other classes, other place. But you know, two hour class, and uh, you can see how it works on the mind because definitely it's to have material because you cannot do something from nothing. But then after is to put a constraint, you know, mm. say um, I'm only going to make uh, 10 images that are each one inch squares on diagonals. And you just make an arbitrary rule. And then after, once you have your, your theme, your frame, the way you have to do it, then you just put a the clock on that you have to do it right now. And you play because it's to put strong walls and then inside that you play. Mm. You know, you don't try to make one good image or one, and it, it's the taste is always, you know, it's better to have bad taste than no taste at all. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's just about playing, but you have to play with a lot of strong rules. It's a little like, uh, 
for creative writing, Ulipo. Mm-hmm. You know, the Ulipo, it's uh, the, the opening of potential literature. It's a French movement where they have um, to write uh, definition plus three, where each word you look at the definition and you take the definition and this. So it's really playful. And sometimes it arrives to a masterpiece, like Perec, who wrote a whole book without using an E, and it's called The Disparition. <laughs> and in fact, it's about his parents um, disappearing uh, in World War II in the camp. But it's also about the word structure. So it's a play, but at the end, when we play, we, it's like kids. We, we play seriously, you know? It's, mm-hmm. it's really about a lot of other things that come through. But you need the space to play. So mm-hmm. the, the space has to be uh, really defined um, very strictly at the beginning. And once in, you're into and you're playing, if you want to break the wall, you break the wall and you yeah. go. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, one, of, one, of, one of my many expressions is I believe that the journey of adulthood is about getting back to childhood. And yeah. One of, the, one of the wonders of childhood is that we were okay, or at least early childhood, we're more okay um, being creative, we're we're we, we're less focused on being judged, including judging ourselves. And then, sadly, I think as we get older, we we become really self-critical and very worried about what other people think about what what we were doing. And something that you said, you know, it's better to have bad taste than no taste at all. I would argue the same is it's it's better to be attempt to be creative than to not attempt at all, you know? But I think for a lot of adults, this creative milieu is such a scary place. But it's fun. I know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It really feels good. It's fun. And uh, it's your own. You do your own little world. And uh, when you're in there, you know, it's like being inside your head and you close the door and (laughs) nobody will bother you. Exactly. So, <laughs> so creativity, it's uh, it's like oxygen. You know, you really need it to just uh, to just find a place where oh, it's uh, it's playful and uh, it's everything is possible. You know, everything is possible. The future is not written, and you can make all your little castles and. Uh, and then after, like, think a little more how you want to build them and what bricks you're going to use and how is the road and uh, make them as a movie or as a book, as a, as a pass for another career or something. So it's visual thinking, you know, you really get into your magical wand and you make your accessories and then you just fly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that's a wonderful way to wrap up this conversation. And Beatrice, I have to say, this this is from the heart. You are a role model for for living living a life. You really are, like not just as an artist, as a human being. And the the bravery that you showed early on, the resilience to rejection, which most people would have crumbled on the decision at the age of 40 to completely change your path 
your understanding of what creativity is really all about. Like there's so many life lessons in your life and I, I hope the audience picked them up. And, <laughs> and, and I encourage the audience to take a class, watch your TED talk, go on your site, look at your work and they can buy your work is, is I, sure. I think it's, they can buy my work. They can contact me. They can, uh, commission um, a work about their life, about uh, some important elements. I call them my Freudian cities, <laughs> where you can put everything that uh, worked for you and uh, we build the city together and I cut it for you. And so there is a lot of many ways and I'm teaching, it's because I want to learn and I meet the other people and uh, it's exchanging kind of tricks and tips on how to go further. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, thank you for being you and thank you for being on the show. And I'm, I'm so grateful for, for our connection and I, I plan on staying connected. And if I can be of help to you as you, as you proceed in the next part of your journey, um, please don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you so much. That was great. <laughs> Thanks for listening today. If you're in search of more opportunities to realize positive change in your life or work, and you find what I have to say helpful, you can always subscribe to my show, check out one of my new salons that are weekly virtual gatherings of like-minded folks. You can read some of my writings or just listen to one of the talks that I've given around the world over the last couple of years. And you can do it all at chriscolbert.com. While you're there, make sure to sign up for my ongoing email updates. When you do, you'll receive a free copy of the first chapter of my about-to-be-published book, technology is dead. Again, it's all available at chriscolbert.com. Thanks again for listening today. And I look forward to connecting more in the days ahead.